out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. However, every once in a while, we're allowed a host pick. Uh, this is the month of me, and therefore I get to pick uh, a film, and I've picked uh, Celine Descama's uh, Girlhood from 2015. And I'm excited to hear what my dear and illustrious co-hosts have to say about that. Let's go ahead and do some introductions around the table so that you can know the voices um, speaking to your brain. To my right, sir, who are you? Uh, hi, my name's Caleb Masters, and I, I don't speak any French. You could say I speak the, the third best French at the table. We, oui. we, oui. uh, Very, very good. On around, sir, who are you? Uh, my name is Arthur Gordon, and I do what I want. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Uh, sir, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and... It's shining bright like a diamond. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very, very good. Uh, ma'am, who are you? My name's Alexander Bohannon, and it's only a Galaxy S3, bro. <laughs> excellent, excellent. My He's name funny. is Dustin Sells, and I'll take France. And I'm here to be uh, with you all uh, talking about this film to warn you, um, I guess, and to uh, give you a bit of a preview of what is to come in case this is the first time you're tuning into the Good Trash genre cast brought to you by the Good Trash Media Network. Uh, we are going to do a, uh, a spoilerific analysis of this film because this is an analysis show, not a review show. And that means we will do a quick synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, which, of course, course we'll have no spoilers we'll have our quick thumbs up thumbs down reviews spoiler free as well we will play our game which might involve mild spoilerage of the film in question and perhaps other films mentioned and then once we get down to business and bring our analysis all spoiler embargoes are off and that is going to be a thing that is going to happen at that point you have been warned so without any further ado arthur gordon voice the cinema let's hear that synopsis a girl with few real prospects, joins a gang, reinventing herself and gaining a sense of self-confidence in the process. However, she soon finds that this new life does not necessarily make her any happier. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, I go to you first. What did you think of Girlhood? I really enjoyed the film Girlhood. I have not seen the rest of this director's oeuvre, but I have. I noticed that she directed uh, Tomboy, which I heard is it. It is typically more critically better received, as I've read. Um, but I still enjoyed Girlhood a lot. Um, the cinematography in this movie is absolutely breathtaking. It really, really reminds me a lot of Moonlight in terms of subject matter, in terms of uh, style, in terms of lighting choices. Um, all of that is, I, I feel, echoes of these movies. Uh, they, I feel like they pull a lot from each other, um, especially in terms terms of uh, subject matter content. Anyway, so I, I would just like to say definitely a hard two thumbs up for me because it's so refreshing to see movies about people that you don't necessarily know a lot about. And whenever you're experiencing life from someone else's eyes, you realize that you have more in common with them than you realize, than you anticipated having in common with them. It's It's so interesting. It's so 
counterintuitive to think that telling a very specific story is thus enables to open up the universality of human experience, which I feel like is uh, a common uh, comment coming out of Moonlight um, when I'm surprised that my straight white man friends like that movie. Um, So it's just, it's, it's really great and powerful and I love this movie and I'm very glad that you chose it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. And uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you have to say in terms of your review? Uh, yeah, something Alex said about uh, specific uh, Universal. I, I, I think that's really the touchstone for a good coming of age film is having a specificity yet yeah, universality. Um, I'm going to go ahead and shout out right now uh, Richard Linklater's Boyhood, um, which obviously this film was given the American or the English language title Girlhood uh, to bring up thoughts of that film because the French title is literally Gang of Girls. Correct. Um, yeah, which I found, again, adaptation yeah. theory. like like. No, I mean, the, the film Boyhood was out and quite popular at this time. So I think there's definitely some something intentional there. But again, a film that I think is uh, both specific and universal um, that is, you know, about a straight white man, which, you know, many coming-of-age films are. But I just think it's, it's worth pointing out that... Um, representation is beautiful and wonderful and uh, I, I think Alex made some fantastic points and I just wanted to say I agree um, I like this film I don't love it uh, I, I really enjoy it when, when it's a hangout movie uh, I don't really like it when it gets super plot heavy in the in like the second half because it it just kind of comes really quickly and then ends it's just like and suddenly there's a plot it's like I didn't need a plot I was fine without one like I was really enjoying just watching them hang out yeah, I, I I actually really agree with you on that aspect because whenever I actually feel bad because I felt like I was paying attention to the movie, but then I got really confused. No, I did too. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's not it's just not me. Just um, yeah, no, there's so an I was incredibly like, jarring shift about halfway like, through the I film. I am like getting on Wikipedia. I'm like, what did I miss in here? You know, Nothing. just checking the like checking the order of the plot and seeing if I missed like this big transition. Anyway, yeah, uh, con- I concur. Yeah, it just kind of comes out of nowhere and uh, decides it's going to be very plot driven, um, and I didn't care for it. I, I think I get what um, what our director here was going for, uh, this idea that your life doesn't get to be one big hangout. Eventually, you're going to come to a point where you do have to make some choices about how you're going to provide for yourself. Um, but I was much more interested in, in watching Vic um, just hang out with uh, her friends. I, I thought that was a much more interesting film and a very a very pretty film. As Alex mentioned, it is a gorgeously shot picture um, that um, I, I think the leads are all really captivating. I think they all have really wonderful screen presences. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching them hang out. I just kind of wish I could have watched more of that instead of it shifting solely to being about Vic and her, her choices with what to do with her life. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say in terms of your thumbs up, thumbs down review? I'm going to agree with uh, a lot of what Dalton said. Uh, I'm not in love with it. I, uh, there are a lot of things I like about it. Uh, I love the strong opening with the football sequence. That opening is really great. Uh, I love the Rihanna Diamond sequence. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, beautiful. Uh, the performances are strong all the way through. I really like that they chose actresses off the street. These weren't you know, actual actresses. They found people for this. I think that works really well for what they're going for. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way it's edited, the cinematography, like Alex mentioned, it looks great. Uh, I like the chapter style breaks between the story. Um, ultimately it feels flat for me as well. Um, 
you know, feels off in the presentation of the narrative. I think much is made of show don't tell, uh, but I feel like there are moments and beats and character motivations that either need to be more abstract or more concrete, but they're just flirted with in a middling fashion. We talk about that a lot in the show is the, the t- have, trying to have it both ways is yeah. you got to go one or the other. Sometimes I, I I'm with you. I would have much preferred a more abstract kind of narrative where plot not isn't really necessary. I mean, it's weird that I'm going to keep bringing up Richard Linklater, but his films are what this film made me think about. Yeah. I, you know, I, a hangout movie's fine. Well, the whole, I mean, the whole diamond sequence got me thinking of Spring Breakers, and I was wanting to exactly. okay. same. That same. Way. Gotcha. Um, See, it made it made me think of something like Dazed and Confused, or mm-hmm. um, one of a hangout movies. The movie only way I know how to yeah. describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think it is a solid entry in the coming of age. Uh, genre especially since we're not dealing with a white middle class male for sure so i think that's really nice and and overall i do appreciate it but it just missed the mark a little bit for me Mm. all right well thank you very much for that mr arthur gordon mr caleb masters what say you yeah i'm I'm definitely going to side more with uh dalton and arthur on this i do really appreciate this film uh and and to alex's point i really do appreciate that this is a a film um, and you know i I don't even think that we're limited to i was doing a lot of research for my analysis there's there's actually a pretty fair amount of even coming of age story for girls out there but are there coming of age uh films for girls in france are there any coming of age stories of mine about black girls in France, no. Uh, so I really, really appreciate that this is because um, I, I don't want to limit. It. I think it's not only is it getting outside of middle class, you know, white male. It's getting out of middle class America uh, and honing in on a group that most of us probably never even really consider uh, because it's you know when we think of French people, we, are, we certainly aren't thinking of people of color generally. I say that to say I really appreciate that this is taking a very small group of people that we uh, kind of like Moonlight. Uh, you're you're not really gonna see interact with too many of these people on your day-to-day, especially here in the United States. Well, and that was something that I, in our conversations, you and I, Caleb, and you and I, Alex, talking about Moonlight, that was something I thought about watching this film. I was like, I mean, I'm not gay, black, or from Florida. I'm also, but at least, like, Chiron and I grew up with the same pop culture, speaking the same language. Um, You can't remove it any further than going to yet another country, with the only exception to that being it's still a vaguely Western culture. Um, but it takes it even a step further, and I think the film's strength is that it uh, makes it so easy for you to relate to and empathize yeah. with these characters who, yeah. you and you and I, Caleb especially, have even less in common than we have with Chiron. At least Chiron's a guy, a guy. and is from the U.S. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. So I think I, I really appreciate that about this film, I, and I think this is, makes the film uh, important, and I think it you know, belongs, uh, if you're going to make a canon for you know coming-of-age stories, I think this most certainly belongs there. Yeah. Um, that, that said, I really am with you and Arthur, though. I, I feel like there's almost like a vignette, you know, because the film's kind of the way it's broken up into mm-hmm. chapters or very lengthy vignettes. It almost feels like we're talking about that tonal shift, well, not really tonal shift, just the big change between character-centric hangout to very plot-driven. It feels like like they could have maybe put in something in the middle, something to help transition well, that a little not, more. Yeah, it's just so jarring. It's not even a midpoint break. It's like two. It's like the last third of the movie is that plot-driven sequence, which mm-hmm. makes it even more jarring because it's so late in the movie. Yes, yeah. It's, it's, so there's it, like less than half an hour left when that happens. Yeah, no. It's 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 very strange. Um, and uh, again, I I I do tend to agree. I appreciated uh the se- sequences which were a little a little more abstract this any any time they they had the, the 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 soundtrack playing i was really into it i would i felt visually connected to these characters i was like yes i totally get this teen hood thing they're doing mm-hmm. and i like that but overall i, I you know i i think that this film would have been better had it either eliminated that last bit entirely and at maybe str- uh, uh, you know strung out and lengthened more of those opening sequences um, or added something to kind of 
for the viewers, something that's going to like give us a little less whiplash. Um, overall, though, really important film. Loved the performances. Loved, loved, loved the, the soundtrack. And, of course, uh, as Alex said, beautifully shot. So this is definitely like a must-see. All right, well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Of course, I like this movie a bit because I picked it. And um, I did not only uh, pick it because I like it, I did want to sort of have this conversation with you lot about it. Uh, what I find moving and powerful uh, about the film and everything you guys have said about performances, about soundtrack, about cinematography, and all that sort of stuff, I totally agree with. I think it's it's, it's really well done, well made, and put together as a film. Um, I do feel like it's Marianne Vick's uh, film all the way through. That it's, it's a story about her uh, coming of age it's a story about her finding her way and it uh, what I, I really find compelling is that she is trying to find her way uh, despite uh, you know patriarchal gender mm-hmm. definitions that are being imposed upon her she wants to do what she wants to do and uh, trying to find that way and seeing how difficult that is how challenging that is and how um, sort of seductive falling into more traditional gender roles can be at times and how at times that seems to be uh, something that's attractive and at times it's something that's very very repulsive for her um, so it's got all that going on it's, it's, it's part of the Ban Lu tradition which are these uh, sort of neighborhoods uh, these uh, uh, suburbs, uh, which are basically ghettos uh, around Paris, and so that 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 particular area of film is something that's interesting mm-hmm. to me. Anyway, I only know about the one with the parkour. Uh, <laughs> that one's fun. Um, I'm going to talk about another one a little while later. Okay. And so uh, be fun times uh, with all that. But nonetheless, um, it, it's a movie that I, I enjoy a lot. And, and I understand what you guys are saying about how it gets more plotty. But for, for my money, it, it is a thing where it's being thematically, as she is developing as a person, it is much more ephemeral. It is much more vague concept. I'm a teenager and I don't know what I really want. And I'm coming down to a point where I have a better understanding of what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And then I try things that perhaps work or don't work and so for me it works but that's why it works mm. because it does seem to build off of where she is sort of just um, you know cast the wind after when I don't think this is a spoiler when she finds out she can't go to proper high school I mean yeah it's the first like five minutes of the movie right and so once that happens she does sort of uh, shift a bit and is trying various and sundry things and at that point she sort of at that point she's coming closer to an idea of what she actually wants Okay, and so that's that's where I'm at on that, and I, I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm right. I don't I'm intrigued by your thoughts on it. I guess. Okay, well, there you go. I think more conversation might be held. That's what I think. In fact, you know what? I'm gonna do it out of order. Let's talk about having conversation because I'm sure this movie is going to be divisive and polarizing. Uh, to I don't know. Extent. I feel like we all liked it. I mean, well, I'm just thinking about the dear listener. I mean, there's there's going to be lots of. I the, think they're going to like it. I think I hope they would. Yeah, I think they'll like it. But I would like to hear what they said about it. And they might say something about that on social media. Alex, can you tell them where the social media conversation might be held? Sure thing, Dustin. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash goodtrashmedia. You can find us also on Instagram at goodtrashmedia. You can find us on our parent website, goodtrashmedia.com. And you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gtm. Um, Dalton, can you tell us where maybe someone might use our Samsung Galaxy S3 um, to have a conversation? I can, but don't <laughs> use that S7 or it'll blow up. Um, you can find us on the Twitter at good underscore trash. Um, we're all there, um, both as uh, a media network and individually. Um, you come yell at me. Come call me a cuck. Um, but if you want to tell us what you thought about girlhood, go at uh, good underscore trash. That's it. There's nothing else to tell you about it. I mean, it's all the all the stuff is there. Um, if you want to make suggestions about any of the programs, if you have questions about any of the programs, 
um, if you want to be uh, abreast of the release schedule for your, your favorite Good Trash Media content, it's all there at good underscore trash on Twitter. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. And of course, if you want to just give us some aid, if you're listening to this program, you think, I like this stuff. I like this show. Um, what the best thing you can do for us as far as getting us additional exposure and helping us get that good trash to more and more homes and more and more ears, um, that is by rating, subscribing, and commenting on iTunes. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. But enough of this stuff, guys. I think it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. That's right, dear listener, and this week's game is our favorite coming-of-age stories. Uh, that's right, favorite coming-of-age stories brought to you by Girlhood. Girlhood. I got nothing, actually. Um, <laughs> she comes of age. I guess, I guess she does, yeah. Um, I was trying to think of something uh, French. I, I, I don't know enough about the French or France to like really... Make a good joke there, though. I, I I don't I don't pretend to know. Well, thanks for trying. We, yeah, we, Bastille we, Day. We, <laughs> Bastille Day. Um, uh, cheese, uh, wine, bread, um, berets, cigarettes, fries, Eiffel Tower. That's Belgium. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, Eiffel Tower, which apparently they hated at first, and now they like. I don't know. They they're they're a fickle people. Uh, sewers. Uh, Rome. Um, Rome. They had the first sewers. They had the first sewers. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) I was like, what? What? Pizza? That's also Rome. (laughs) Hey, Dalton, why don't you tell us what your favorite um, coming of Okay, sure. Why not? Um, I want to give some love to, uh, as soon as Arthur suggested this, I I immediately was reminded of two 2013 releases that Arthur and I uh, really went for, and I don't feel like I've heard talked about at all in the last four years. It, I think one of them might be one of the ones. Uh, it's the, of. the way, way back in the Spectacular Now. Second uh, one, yes. Yeah, I, I, I love both of those movies. Uh, I think Spectacular Now is, uh, I don't know if I would say stronger. I mean, I think it's it sticks out more because it's you know a much more dramatic film, but I think The Way, Way Back is very good. I think Sam Rockwell is great in it. I, I think... Um, Oh, God, the press secretary from the West Wing. Why am I bad with names right now? Uh, that'd be Allison Janney. Thank you. Allison Janney is uh, fantastic in it as uh, the, the lead character's uh, neighbor. Um, I forget who plays his mom in that film. She's also quite good. Um, but, yeah, it's all about uh, a, a young 14-year-old or so boy hanging out with Sam Rockwell, which when I was 14 was all I wanted to do was hang out with Sam Rockwell and learn how to be Sam Rockwell. Um, so when this movie came out, you know, four years ago, I was I was in. Uh, and I really like it a lot. I, I, this whole conversation right now is making me want to rewatch it. Did it for the spectacular. Now uh, that film kind of introduced me to Miles Teller, um, and really um, got me curious about him. Um, I was gonna say it introduced me to Shailene Woodley, but I had seen her in The Descendants the year prior, and um, was like, oh, okay, this girl is what's up. So uh, it was really the introduction to Miles Teller that surprised me. Um, both of those films, I think, have just kind of been forgotten about, and I want to give them some love. I uh, also want to give some love to an oldie but a goodie, um, and that is Rebel Without a Cause starring James Dean, which is one of the all-time great coming-of-age films that deals with gender roles in a way that a film made in the 1950s was not ready for, um, and it's very coded uh, and careful about how it does it, but it's very interesting uh, in, in the ways that it tackles gender roles in Southern California in the late 1950s. Uh, really, really fucking good stuff. Um and let's go ahead and give, uh, last but not least, some love to... I was going to say Fast Times at Ridgemont High because I love Jennifer Jason Lee, but I haven't seen the movie in about 10 years. So let's go with uh, one of my favorite films of 2016, The Edge of 17, 
which is a, a fantastic film and I think is going to end up in the canon of great coming-of-age films. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb Masters, what are your picks? Dalton took a couple of my picks, so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, gotta start from scratch. Okay, not quite from scratch. So, um, uh, Edge of Seventeen is a great pick. Yeah, that both made our top tens. Yep. Um, and yeah, loved that movie. Um, and, and again, uh, coming of age story about a girl, which is great. Um, yeah, just I love that film. I so we also have uh, Perks of Being Wallflower, which is a recent film that I love. Good old Logan Lerman. I, I like lo- that kid. I, yeah, man, him and Emma Emma Watson. I just mm-hmm. I fell head over heels for that film. Just because Ezra Miller. Yeah, good cast. It's, well, it's great cast, and it's you know, coming of age stories are interesting uh, because they're always we're always about ten years behind. Usually, Edge mm-hmm. of Seventeen, I think, is a is a big difference. Is a little different. Yeah. but I mean, yep. usually it's like okay, by the time we get to the nineties. We're doing '80s films, and by the time you get to the 2000s, well, well, I, I think that's why so many. Wallflower. I think that's why so many coming-of-age films are um, period pieces, honestly. Oh yeah, because it's easier to talk about being a kid in the '80s ten years later. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely, and you kind of do need a little bit of that hindsight to understand what was important and what mm-hmm. wasn't to you, and and, and and you know have a little more clarity on. We your call feelings. that distantiation in the business, just so you know. Thanks, Dad. Ooh, thank you. But anyway, sorry, Caleb. So, so yeah, I think it's great, and that one, of course, resonates with me a little more because it's coming of age in the '90s. And even though I didn't really hit teenhood until the 2000s, like a lot of the the issues that want well, issues, but a lot of the the things that those kids were facing, I, I felt very connected to. Um, is that film specifically teenage. set in the '90s, or is uh, it? I'm pretty sure it's set in the '90s. Okay, I couldn't remember if like it was the 90s. like. It, it was just like feels like the 90s but they still have cell phones or if it was actually set in the 90s i know the the novel took place specifically in the 90s yeah. i wasn't sure though uh yeah and also a shout out to the the director uh steven uh Chbosky, who wrote the screenplay directed the film and wrote the book which is so very impressive he got to take yeah he got to the, the full life cycle of his book out there um so that's really exciting um i have to give a shout out to another one from the 90s goodwill hunting um really like that film uh, very inspirate for you know, very inspirational as hey you don't you're you know you don't have to stay in your hometown if you don't like it. You don't you don't want to hear this. This shit's not surgery, Caleb. The motherfucker stabbed me, Caleb. Oh my god! Of course, I, I should have seen that one coming. You should have seen that you one coming. Have. Damn it! Uh, it's not your fault. <laughs> god damn it, Dalton! I could do this. I could do this shit all day, bro. Yeah. God. You so, know, uh, yeah. Dustin, uh, Dustin and I have uh, stayed uh, in the same room several times. Like We've, we've slept in the same room a couple times. Mm-hmm. He farts in his sleep. I don't know if you know that about Dustin. Uh, yeah. It's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, on that note, we're going to keep the conversation moving because Goodwill Hunting is a great film. Um, if you're a teenager who might not be so happy with where you're growing up, like you don't have to stay there. You know, you don't have to be, and no, not every kid's going to be a genius like Will Hunting, but you, you know, everyone's got something they can do that they can contribute to greater society, and sometimes where you're living is holding you back and keeping you from doing the thing that you want to do. Um, so, you know, uh, it was really inspirational to see Will Hunting break break free of uh, kind of the chains of his family and his heritage there. Did uh, you have fun. a Did you have a Ben Affleck? Growing up in Indiana. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I've got a bunch of Ben Afflecks. There's still yeah. Ben Affleck. If you still, if you fucking hear ten years, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> Anybody do that for you? Not quite. Okay. I'm kind of terrified <laughs> to go back for that very reason now. Uh, yeah. Um, and lastly, a uh, quick shout out because uh, you know you took you took my my pick for great coming of age uh, film about like a lady. I'll give a give some love to Juno, which I think is another yeah. uh, very interesting, powerful. Ten of age years stories. old this year. Oh boy. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say about your favorite coming-of-age films? Yeah, I actually suggested a different game, and that's the game I'm going to be playing, uh, which is my favorite coming-of-age protagonists. Okay. Um, ah. I'm not crazy. That's what we were actually were supposed to be playing, right? Bobby. So, uh, oh, my bad uh, but also. To, uh, but to uh, piggyback back on Dalton for just a second, he missed uh, one of the better uh, coming-of-age movies from 2013, which is The Kings of Summer. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. yeah, the John Boy Roberts movies. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So my favorite protagonists are, uh, I'm going to say Sutter Keeley from uh, Spectacular Now yep. because Miles Teller is money. And it, it, it tackles a very interesting subject because we're dealing with a character who already has this kind of demon in his uh, back pocket that's uh, adds a layer to that story, which is very important, I think. Being a, being a teenage alcoholic is pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to say uh, Veda Saltenfuss as played by Anna Klumsky in uh, My Girl, uh, which is a lot of fun. That was one of the I like Anna Klumsky. Well yeah. done. Uh, I'm glad she's getting a comeback with Veep. She's so stuff, good on Veep. Really cool. Uh, I'd also say Bender is played by Judd Nelson in The Breakfast Club. There uh, it is. So don't forget about me. And finally, I've got to mention the one and only Simon Pegg uh, as Sean in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, it's as, coming age film. Kiddo sure. finally growing up, yeah. Well done, well done. I appreciate Smoke up, Johnny. I appreciate that very, very much, sir. Um, Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what are your selections? My selections for this game, and I did play coming-of-age films instead of protagonists. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to launch... Uh, <laughs> we all fucked up, Arthur. Yeah, we all fucked up. Um, I expect no less. <laughs> <laughs> valid. Um, first of all, I'm going to say Spring Breakers. That movie is amazing. That movie has lots of similarities with uh, this one in terms of like the hangout nature of it. Um, and it is a very interesting coming of age story uh, for women in America. Um, as for women not in America coming of age story, um, Mustang, which was yeah. a movie from two years ago um, up for foreign language uh, Oscar last year. And it is the coming of age story of women in Turkey um, and then them struggling against um, very oppressive um, family members who are trying to marry them off. Um, that movie is great. That movie is wonderful. Um, of course, Edge of 17, but we've already talked about that a whole, whole lot. I'm going to also throw out um, 20th Century Women oh, because yes. that movie is amazing yeah, and inspirational and fantastic. And it's a coming of age story about like literally everyone in the movie. Yeah, literally everyone from the age of 15 to 55 is yes. coming of age. Including in that the film. men, including the men in the film. Yeah. Don't 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 the, the the title to see you. It's a, yeah, it's a film yeah. about women and men and also Alex still probably playing the theater near you. Hopefully, yes. And then last but not least, I would be remiss not to mention uh, Moonlight. Moonlight is a coming of age story. It's just and it's a very heavy tragic at times uh coming of age story but it is um well well worth your dollar i feel like people get really afraid of moonlight because they think it's going to be heavier than it is though it's, it's not that heavy. it's super life affirming yeah it's yeah no the ending is i mean one of the most inspirational scenes i've ever seen it's oh it's so pleasant yeah i mean it's yeah. definitely not there are some there are some heavy oscar best picture winners this year and i i would say that that is middle of the pack in terms of one thing heaviness a thing that it did that i found very interesting that uh i don't know that i really appreciate i feel like a lot of films focus on adulthood trauma um i don't know i find that most people that i know that have gone through terrible things it happened to them as kids and their adulthood has basically been fairly like level uh, and it's just dealing with things that happened to them when they were a child or a teenager um I thought Moonlight captured. I know this is completely a tangent, but that's just something I, I, I just occurred to me about Moonlight that I really 
I think something about it that I connected with that I'm just now processing um, is that all of Chiron's like real messy shit happens, you know, when he's a kid. In the third act, we can assume some bad stuff's still happening to him because he's a drug dealer. But I mean, it's an overwhelmingly like mellow um, third act. I yeah, guess. absolutely. I mean, it's it's the it's the most free of tension. Yeah, I mean, his mother is being you know taken care of in yeah, yeah don't want to spoil that movie uh that's oh, so good but though. it's Sorry. an amazing movie so yes all right well thank you very much for that um i will begin my picks with the white cis picks um to start it off um the sandlot guys yes. the sandlot the sandlot the sandlot forever right um and wendy peppercorn um uh, because baseball um <laughs> that movie does squints is very rapey i'm just gonna say that but uh, nonetheless it's kind of awesome also best music cue ever in all of all of film is when he grabs her hair and this, <laughs> ma- this, <laughs> this magic that movie's got a a lot of solid ass music cues though. <laughs> it really the does. tequila music cue is great. That's I mean, so funny. What a wonderful film. Also, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, it, it is fantastic and great. Then I move on to My Girl, um, per what Dalton, or Dalton, excuse me, Arthur has already said um, about that movie. I love that movie. I wept in the theater as a young person uh, watching that movie when Macaulay Culkin dies. And Did you know he can't see without his glasses? He can't see without his glasses. It's Spoiler very... alert for My Girl. <laughs> <laughs> also, These guys, I hadn't seen My Girl, thanks. The, the worst darker ending of The Sandlot, um, suddenly with squints right there. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless... Uh, the, that... sa- the Sandlot, but with uh, Stand By Me uh, epilogues. Right. Oh, and man, that mood ring. Oh, that mood ring. I love Stand By Me a lot. I thought about it quite a bit for selection. Also, Catherine Briol's uh, Fat Girl, um, which is a, a great coming-of-age uh, story. It's about uh, wrestling with uh, sexualities on a family holiday. Also, body image issues and a number of other things going on. And always always be watching Catherine Brio. Um, she's just fantastic. But my favorite coming-of-age film is actually Spanish. Uh, it's The Devil's Backbone. Yeah, It's coming-of-age in the uh, in the threat of uh, the Spanish Civil War. And uh, what does that mean? And how do we move forward? And how do we continue to have some sort of imagination? Um, and, you know, working forward to a better society. Um, it might be something that's um, applicable today. You know, I can really relate to that last pick, but you know what I also relate to? Wrestling with my sexuality on a family holiday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. There's no worse place to be than uh, when you're 14 and have just figured out how to make yourself really happy and then stuck with your family for like two weeks. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's a nightmare. <laughs> Nobody else, just me? All right, yeah, just, that's just fine. <laughs> Fuck all you guys. I was trying to have an open moment. We were going to share something together. I just don't have that to share. I'm sorry. All right, well, that's fine. It's called self-control. Nope. Moving right along. Don't know what that is. <laughs> Guys, I think it's time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. That's right, dear listener, and that business in question is, as always, analysis. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what analysis do you bring, sir? Um, Well, I I know Alex is going to talk a little bit later about um, female socialization, but I wanted to speak kind of more generally uh, about friendship. Uh, and the way we it's looked at in this film. Again, as we've discussed, the thing that I, I liked most about this movie was the hangout aspect. Um, and, and as Maureen um, hangs out with a lady and her gang and becomes Vic, um, I, I find it very interesting 
the, the way we look at it because it never really treats them as a bad influence, um, oddly enough, um, which it, it could probably objectively said they are. Um, they get her into fights and um, get her to steal money from people. Um, and get her to go to a hotel and get shit house. Although they're getting shit house pretty responsibly, I would say. I don't think that's actually that bad. Um, they stay in the hotel. I mean, that's very, very responsible for sixteen-year-olds. I don't know. They listen to Rihanna. That may or may not be responsible. Get the fuck out of here. No, I like Rihanna. Yeah, I know you do. That's why I say get the fuck out of yeah, here. I'm just messing. Talk about Riri like that. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really nice. It's like, j- just because somebody's a. Uh, a little bit uh, crustier on the outside, uh, seems a little bit uh, rough around the edges, does not necessarily mean that they're a bad person for you to be around. Because I think what's so interesting is these three women that are three uh, other girls that she ends up spending so much of her time with really do give her a sense of self-confidence that she didn't have previously. And what I find even more interesting is when she does start to go down uh, a path that is going to be more self-destructive, that is going to involve, uh, she's going to become a drug dealer. Uh, and they're, all of her friends are like, no, what are you doing? Don't do that. And I think that was one moment in the film that I was, I really kind of perked up and I was like, that's really interesting. Um, because it seems on the surface at the start of this movie that these three girls are going to be getting her into being a drug dealer. Uh, when in reality they are the one thing in her life that's making her second guess that choice because Vic doesn't really have a lot of prospects. Uh, and that is what she points out to her friends is like, look guys, I love hanging out with you, but we're not going to be 16 forever. We are going to have to come to a point where we've got to figure out how we're going to make money and we don't really have financial prospects. So this is what I'm choosing. Um, and honestly, I think I would have been happy with the movie ending right around there. Um, but, uh, that, that's just me. But I, I do find that that aspect of, of friendship very interesting is, um, the ways that your, your friends can forever change you, but they also can't really be responsible for what that change ends up looking like. The, the people that come in and out of your life um, are going to have an impact on you. Um, but the, the, the consequence of that impact is never really known uh, until much, much later, which I, I find very interesting, and I, I liked the way the, the film tackled that. Uh, excellent. I appreciate that very much, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Also, I hold you entirely responsible. Uh, no, mo- I know you do. <laughs> I also hold you entirely responsible. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, moving uh, right along. Okay. You go to Alex. Okay, well, I just didn't know if you're ready or not. I was going to, I thought I could piggyback better with Alex, but it doesn't matter. No, I, whatever. I'll, I'll pitch to you now, though. Uh, Miss Alexander Bohannon, what analysis do you bring? So today we're going to be talking about uh, the differences in how gender cultures uh, translate into male group friendship and female group friendship and how. Uh, this is going to be really rah-rah girl power, but how um, (laughs) female friendships can uh, kind of assist and help women um, in in ways that male friendships, interpersonal relationships with each other uh, don't help in quite the same way. And we see in this movie how her female friendships end up um, being able to save her by the end because they do cast doubt on her decision to become a drug dealer. So um, first of all, of course, gender is all what you identify as not necessarily uh, what's between your legs. It's what's in your head. So um, gender cultures are basically groups that influence the way that 
people of different genders communicate and that these differences begin at childhood. And then traditionally, masculine identifying people and feminine identifying people communicate with people of their own gender in different ways. And then, um, of course, uh, gender culture is the set of behaviors and practices associated with masculinity and femininity. Um, in childhood, uh, one thing that's really interesting about this movie is we see uh, our opening sequence is uh, our main character, Vic, playing on a foot American football team, um, which and it's an all-female American fo- football team, which I found very interesting because I had never had that opportunity and I live in America. <laughs> um, but it is fascinating because... In gender studies, we find that traditionally male identifying people tend to play when growing up, they're playing more competitive games. Uh, whereas women in when they are growing up are playing more interpersonal relationship type games. So, um, with your little boys, you might be saying, Hey, we're going to, you know, race, or we're going to play a game of pickup football. And then women are either playing house or anything else that focuses on, um, inner, that interpersonal relationship. And before, uh, you start thinking, well, I'm a guy who listens to film podcasts. I didn't play sports i'm like dalton and dustin and arthur and caleb i would counter how many nerf guns did you own boom yeah or or how many video games did you play or gi joe slash ninja turtle action figures absolutely there's um with men it tends to be um they're socialized that you have an objective it's and it's all about combat and competition um and so whenever we have female friendships they're more built on other female people based on mutual support and that's what Vic has been missing in her life she has an abusive situation at home and she has two younger sisters that are too young to really kind of provide that mutual support of I I know what you're going through and I see you because she is having to be the strong person in the relationship due to her absent mother Um, and one thing that I found really interesting just in the rest of literature about gender relationships is that um the National um, Institute of Public Health did a um, survey and they and a scientific uh, research experiment, and they found that um, female relationships in adolescence versus male relationships in adolescence actually um, the female relationships were instrumental in preventing peers from go- doing underage drinking and drug a- drug abuse versus male adolescent relationships had no effect on on that so no effect because my experience was the okay opposite. well the fact, detrimental effect right right well it no effect to maybe increasing it um but it did s- say that interesting that the female socialized relationships did provide again that mutual support and understanding and and assistance um female to female and that's what we see in the movie whenever she does go down that path and they're like don't do it but she does anyway but then she is constantly at war with herself trying to struggle to get out of that place um and it's really and we kind of end on this bittersweet moment um she is trying to decide to go back home and she the decision i feel like is that she isn't um and she's of course also offered to kind of fall into more of a traditional 
traditional female gender role with you know marrying the, this guy propo- he, who proposed to her. So she's trying to thwart all of these things. And uh, I would wonder if she's going to go back to her original set of friends as that support system um, now that she is without, you know, the support of her, you know, drug dealer family. Um, But overall, I I think there's power in female friendships. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. Mr. Caleb Masters, what analysis do you bring? Uh, so, uh, so I want to talk a little bit about coming-of-age films, and you have, of course, we have a slew of coming-of-age films. Um, and, and as I mentioned in a review, there are certainly overwhelmingly more coming-of-age films about men than there are women. However, there's actually a pretty decent amount at this point about women, even. Um, so I was what I was looking at with girlhood is I was looking at kind of the comparison and contract, uh, compare and contrast some of the differences. You know, with men, you've got films like Stand By Me, Days and Confused, The Sandlot. We've mentioned a lot of them already. Uh, and then, of course, Boyhood more recently. Um, what about what about coming of age stories for girls? Well, there you know you've got some that go as far back as the late seventies. Uh, including Carrie, uh, 16 Candles is another one. Um, and more recently, you've got films like uh, Blue is the Warrior's Color, Francis Ha, or Juno. There's a lot of good stuff out there for both genders, I feel like. But I think there's actually still a pretty big distinction in the types of stories you're telling. Between the, and we're kind of understanding the, the, the differences and the gender expectations out there and kind of the impact that's had on people growing up you know, since the 70s. Uh, so, you know, this is, uh, of course, not going to be uh, this director's first film. She also did Water Lilies, uh, and as Min- Dustin mentioned earlier, Tomboy, or Alex mentioned earlier, Tomboy. Um, so I think what's really interesting about this film is it continues to, reminds me of the compare and contrast between the two groups. So you've got the differences here being that you have, uh, there's more emphasis on the fluidity of gender and sex, uh, being desirable. What does that mean? How can you be desirable without compromising your self-worth? Um, and also, uh, there are a lot of, uh, in this film to some extent, but more so in other kind of coming-of-age girl films, uh, proving that you can run with the boys. These are all common things you're going to see in girl movies versus what you're going to see in coming-of-age stories about men, which are usually a lot more existential. Uh, what do I do with my life? What am I doing here? Um, uh, how do I get laid? Uh, also a very common trope. Or you can look at things like breaking the rules, hence, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We're going to rage against the machine. Very different values that I think and, and expectations that have been placed upon each different group. Um, and I think a lot of that goes to Alex's analysis related to socialization. Now, girlhood, I feel like, um, isn't actually playing into most of the norms that you're going to see with uh, even female coming-of-age stories. Um, there is obviously... The, the, I think the, the struggle with being desirable, compromising that versus self-worth and fitting in, all those things are, are on the table. But I think, I think what this film uh, ultimately is getting at uh, is that uh, gender is not going to dictate your, who you are, your self-worth, and you know, kind of what you want to uh, do with your life. Um, you know, so anyway, that's what I got. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, like Mr. That. Caleb Masters. I like it also. Um, what I want to do is contextualize the film a little bit uh, in terms of what's going on in France and in terms of genre that is at work in French filmmaking at the time. Because as I've mentioned already, there are these uh, Ban Lu films that exist. Um, also, sometimes they are called uh, the Burr film. Uh, Burr is a, uh, and, we, and we don't pick this up as much as English speakers. And of course, I don't pick it up either, except for I've read things that told me that I should be picking it up. Um, 
where there is a uh, there's a dialect, there's a slang um, that is spoken, uh, where um, sort of um, Arab uh, sort of influences in uh, the language of you know the the Banlu uh, influences the way things are said, and so the the, the term is for bur speech, b-e-u-r um, speech. Um, that's at work here. What happens in the uh, 1940s and 50s after World War II is that France uh, develops something of a manufacturing industry, but they don't want to necessarily employ French citizens for this. They're lower wage jobs. They're less... Um, they're less prestigious, uh, they're less advanced, and so there's a massive uh, sort of immigration back and forth from the northern continent of Africa, uh, particularly Algeria, which was a colony of France at the time. And so um, as that began to happen, those populations that were non-French originally um, and coming from various and sundry different language groups uh, began to be concentrated outside of Paris in these, um, again, suburban areas that eventually gave way to these banlieues, uh, which became basically basically the hood of uh, girlhood uh, that we see uh, in France at the time. And uh, there's a great amount of tension that, that is held between uh, the sort of cultural differences between these places and you know, sort of mainstream, quote-unquote, France at the time. And uh, a very, very sort of seminal film that reflects on some of this is that uh, there, there's a lot of like state repression that goes on. Um, the funding is less, uh, the, the police are more brutal, um, the sort of uh, the social services uh, basic sort of industrial services are not quite as available in these areas. Uh, when we think of the suburbs in the United States, we tend to think of something a bit more bougie, right? Um, the suburbs, when we talk about Paris and we talk about France, tend to be much more the ghetto. The, the, the actually, um, uh, the inner city is much more uh, gentrified in France than, uh, say, the suburbs would happen to be. And so uh, there's a major incident in the early 90s in which um, there are a couple of teens that are being chased down uh, by the police, sort of out of a harassment sort of situation, and uh, two of them are electrified on the railroad tracks and die, and uh, sets off a, a set of riots and violence. And so this sort of tension between the Banlieu and broader French culture becomes a major event. Uh, there's a great film from 1995 called La Haine, starring Vincent Cassell, and uh, it's it's great. It's several other actors as well. Uh, it's a great movie. Um, and I recommend it very, very highly. Very, very um, Scorsese-esque in the way it approaches uh, culture and what's going on. And, it, and it's definitely a dialogue with police violence. This geographic thing is very interesting to me. It reminds me of Los Angeles in the 90s. Uh, Compton was the suburbs in the 1950s. Right. So this is really interesting to me. I well, didn't realize this about Paris. Well, the story of Los Angeles is the story of seven suburbs trying to find a city, but that's a whole nother. Well, yes. <laughs> but th th this is interesting to me that the city of Paris and the city of Los Angeles kind of have this in common. They, they bear something a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so uh, this is going on uh, at the time. And what we see in girlhood is pretty much an absence of the state outside of that first five minutes, where in which we notice that uh, because Marianne, before she becomes Vic, um, is no longer eligible to go on to proper high school, she has to go on to vocational school. So she's basically a ninth grader, uh, 10th, 11th, 12th grader, basically high school uh, in this sort of situation. And so, because of that, she has to go to basically trade school of some sort, and she doesn't want to do that less prestigious. It's a less of a way out for her. And the reason why, again, the education system is as it is, and she's not as, um, you know, she doesn't have as much access to good education, that she finds herself in a situation where she's going to be in a sort of a dead-end life and living something much like her mother, who is a, uh, a hotel cleaner. And uh, so that's part of what she's pushing back up against uh, at that time. And what 
the film does quite brilliantly is to marry both that economic uh, sort of, again, uh, veil of ignorance that French society places upon the Banlieu, um, that we're not educational, institutional, economic, we're just not going to pay a whole lot of attention, we're just going to let these people be and they're going to do their thing, that's going on as well, alongside uh, the rise and the continued sort of prevalence and power of patriarchal values. And so the film puts together those two things in a very, very interesting dialogue, that she is at, at both both moments, she is pushing against this sort of economic situation that says, hey, we're looking at your scores and you can't go to public school all the way through and be, you know, sort of prepared for college or university studies, that this is not something that's available to you, um, that we're going to determine that for you as a state, which again is overwhelmingly prejudiced against minority populations, immigrant populations, and uh, the descendants thereof. In fact, um, there's a whole uh, conversation that happens in France this time about second-generation immigrants. You can't be a second-generation immigrant if you were born in France. You ought to be French. But they, they, they want to actually qualify and call certain people that were born of immigrants to also be second-generation immigrants and not properly French. Right. Well, you, what, let's get even weirder with this. Uh, I learned uh, in watching Girlhood um, that the French government is legally forbade from taking uh, racial data, but as far as I could tell, not from taking nation of origin data. Right. Some real, like, murky shit here with France, like, trying their best to, like, work against its, its um, well, I, white supremacy is the best word I can think of, so that's the word I'm going to use. Um, it was really interesting uh, learning about the racial, I think the, the racial politics of France, let's yeah. call it. Yeah. It's France, interesting. France got... I mean, has been on the rise as being more po- populous is just as all the entire West, right? Right. But, um, this is the country that you've got scores of y- young uh, black Americans going to in like the 19 teens because they could just hang out and be black. Uh, right. This is a, this is interesting to me. And so, but this transition happens again because of Algerian immigrants overwhelmingly. Mm-hmm. Also, people from Morocco and mm-hmm. other places that are also colonies. You know, from, French colonies. Right. Right. And and again, just anything from uh, the the north of Africa. And so Ethiopians also, which are which was an Italian colony, are also quite prevalent there in France. And so what we see in, in again in the film that I want to say in terms of analysis, as we sort of contextualize that historically, is the marriage of those two themes. So she is at at both ends trying to battle against economically repressive institutions um, that are preventing her from being able to find any way out of the cycle of poverty in which she finds herself, and she's also dealing with patriarchal repressive of attitudes, which are unfortunately one of the things that have been adopted wholesale by the Banlu communities in which they live. Not to say that there wasn't patriarchy, patriarchy, patriarchy in those places in the northern parts of uh, Africa as well. But that 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 the traditional way of examining that and the traditional way of defining those gender roles um, remains very, very French in that sense, which, again, may be very, very North African as well. And she has to push back against that and say, listen, I don't want to be a girl like you say I have to be a girl. I can wear baggy clothes if I want to be bar- wear baggy clothes. I don't have to sexualize myself unless I want to. If I want to sexualize myself, that's fine. And when I do so, that's my call, not your call. And so she's battling against that. And the last moment of the film is uh, le- less a moment of dealing with, again, what most of the film re- 
wrestles with, which is those questions of gender roles and gender fluidity. But it is a question of now here I am in these economic strictures. How am I going to find a way forward in that? And so it, to my money uh, and for my understanding, I think Girlhood is brilliant as a film because it's a, a, a great indictment of not just simply an identity politics sort of issues, but also a more ec- economic politics. And uh, that's why I like it so much. And that's part of why I recommended it uh, this week to you lot. So there you go, dear listener. That is our analysis for the week. I hope you enjoyed it very, very much. Uh, we come now to a point in the uh, show where we must render a verdict regarding this film. I go to you, Mr. Caleb Masters. What do you say? Shelfer trash. And what is your else or instead? It's a soft shelfer. I, again, I don't, I don't love the movie, and I'm not sure I would be in a hurry to uh, to watch it again. But I, you know, I would recommend it to people. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely earned a, a spot on the shelf for that. And I think it's uh, again just kind of capturing a coming of age story about a group specific, you know, certainly a group of people that we don't ever hear about. So it's worth owning for that reason alone. Um, else, uh, I think all of the coming of age stories we've mentioned throughout this entire conversation, I, there hasn't been a single one that I wouldn't recommend. Spectacular, spectacular now, Edge of Seventeen. Boyhood, all those films. I recommend all of them. Uh, Heather's would be another one you could throw out there. Um, a lot of great. There's a lot of great stuff. Uh, Blue is the warmest color. You know, good stuff out there uh, for anyone who has male, female. There's something great out there when it comes to coming-of-age films. Awesome. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say? Shelf or trash? And what is who or else or instead? Yeah, I'm going to say soft shelf. Uh, it, it is, I think, worth going out to see. Um, I'd say else, watch Pariah, 13. Uh, Spring Breakers, and uh, Fruitvale Station to go with this. Excellent. I like those picks very, very much. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? I also like those picks quite a bit, uh, Arthur, because I thought about some of those films. Uh, I'm a soft shelf as well. Uh, I think for reasons of um, both internationally representative cinema and gender and racially representative cinema, I think it it earns a place on the shelf. Because if you found yourself throughout this conversation thinking, I can't think of very many coming-of-age movies about black women, you are correct, sir. Uh, There's not very many. Um, As much as we did talk about the gender diversity uh, among coming-of-age films over the last 20 years or so, and I would agree with Caleb that it's becoming more prominent, um, not a whole lot of coming-of-age films about black women, Uh, and that's probably not good. Um, in fact, I can't think of any that I've seen, um, which makes me feel really shitty, but I do want to give a shout out to a film, The Fits, that, um, from 2016, that is apparently quite good that I've yet to catch up with, and a long, I wouldn't say long forgotten, but a, a Spike Lee film that seems to get forgotten, uh, Crooklyn. Um, so I haven't seen either of those films, but, uh, I'm going to. So let's go ahead and give some love to those. Um, I'm not particularly well-versed in French cinema, uh, but here's two contemporary French films that I like that you could pair with this film, and that is The Diving Bell and the Butterfly and Sleepless Night, which was recently remade as Sleepless, Sleepless with Jamie Foxx and is apparently not good. But Sleepless <laughs> Night is French taken and uh, is pretty solid. Uh, and finally, of course, taken is French already. No. Not French language, but it's a French movie. Well, yeah, that's uh, neither here nor there. Sorry. Uh, Get the fuck out of my face with this shit. It's an American film that's directed by a French guy. And a French crew. It's it's an aesthetically American film. Fair enough. Get the fuck out of my face. I know what I'm talking about. Finally, I want to recommend a uh, final coming-of-age film uh, about uh, black people in America, and that is The Magnificent Boys in the Hood, starring Cuba Gooding Jr., Morris Chestnut, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne as... The ima- the wonderfully named Furious Styles, the best fucking dad in the world. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton's door. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what do you say? Shelf for trash, else or instead? Oh, yeah. This is a, a, an easier sell, uh, shelf for me than the rest of our table. Um, I find this movie to be well worth your time. Um, what I would pair with it, um, most of these picks already are amazing and solid, um, especially the picks in our game, definitely there as well. Um, I would definitely highlight Mustang because that one is another foreign language film about uh, Muslim girls in Turkey. And I think that that's a coming of age story that you're not going to be seeing here <laughs> like at all um, so that's a very unique but yet universal coming of age story um, I'd also like to give a shout out um, to my yet to be seen uh, uh, pick for uh, of Tomboy her other um, feature that apparently has more critical chops than this movie but I still really I still definitely want to see it as it plays with notions of uh gender and and uh identity as as a coming of age story um and then I don't know you guys started going a little off the <laughs> Caleb mentioned Heathers and whenever I think of Heathers I always tend to think of Mean Girls so um yeah. that's a that's a coming of age story. no it is yeah, a coming sure. of age story um but yeah definitely Go buy our, our game. The game has a lot of good picks, but those are just a few I wanted to highlight. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon. Um, in terms of, uh, I'm an, obviously, I'm a shelf. I, I selected the film, so why? Fair. I, I like it. Um, I guess uh, an American film um, that I might recommend about coming of age and, again, just sort of the questions and then sort of questioning of gender identity and those sort of things. Um, I might mention 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, mm. which is a movie that I just like very, very much in that moment. When you realize that the Joker and Robin went to high school together, yep. um, that'll ruin you also with C.J. Craig. So um, everything everything means everything at all the times. Um, but my real recommendation in terms of, again, foreign cinema and coming of age and something a little bit more on the artsy side is Valerie and Her Week of Wonders, um, in which the the battle against the patriarchy, patriarchy, I keep saying archarchy, I don't know why today, the patriarchy. Patriarchy. Patriarchy anarchy um man i want some of that um that those things um are, are are very very prevalent in the film and very very interesting and it is uh one of those criterion films that you can find on various and sundry streaming services so there you go dear listener thank you so much for listening uh through our podcast and analysis of this show stay tuned uh for next week when we are going to break into some great good trash that's right dear listener we're going to be looking at the princess bride i cannot <gasps> tell you how happy i am oh my god <laughs> sorry I, I also can't tell you how happy alex is you can't no it's, it's literally impossible yes yes it is <laughs> so we're gonna be looking at that but whatever you do whatever move you're looking at sort of a high-minded french film um that is a social realist film versus a very um, campy, silly, ridiculous film like The Princess Bride. Um, there's conversation to be had, and I love The Princess Bride. Don't get me wrong. When oh, I it's say campy the thing. and silly, but and it's fantastic. <laughs> also fantastic. So whatever it is that you are looking at, there's a conversation to be had, and that's what makes watching the movie so worthwhile. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandro Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.